0: You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. This is a very special episode, our 100th episode. Didn't think this was going to happen. We have Brendan Ptolemy, my favourite companion on the podcast, our first ever podcast expert. He'll be around for the first episode of our third season as well in december and I have to say that when you think back to our first episode brendan i guess the theme was hope wasn't it yeah well i can't believe we made it through to 100 well done to you Trent. that's I absolutely amazing yep <laughs> Get that on the audio? We did
1: high five. Yeah, that was the worst high five, but we got through it. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, 100, which is amazing. And it's really timely that we've come from the message of hope back in episode number one through to where we're sitting now in a overheated crazy market in episode 100. And that turnaround in terms of going
0: crazy market has only been a few
1: months. It's just unbelievable.
0: Is the theme here disbelief or can we be a little bit less humble and say we've been talking about this for a couple of years and it's finally happened? (laughs) Which one is it? Well, I'd like to tell everyone that we have been
1: telling everyone to buy a property. Yeah. There's absolutely, that is clear in my mind.
0: The evidence is recorded. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. But it is head spinning for us at the moment in terms of the volume of work coming through our system, the volume of sales out there in the marketplace, the sheer drop in listing numbers, all of the, the, these factors that are going together. The fact that we had a pandemic that started on the 14th of March, we came out of it and suddenly everyone's motivated to do something. It is quite an amazing study in human behavior and consumer confidence just turning around and going completely the opposite direction to what you thought.
0: You know what's funny? The last time we had a World Black Swan event, we did the same thing. Yeah. I find that quite interesting that West Australia seems to buck the trend. When everyone else is freaking out, we turn into that uh, safe haven both economically but also culturally. Yeah. And uh, I guess we have our mining industry to thank for that because usually... Uh, the second that the world falls apart, the more vulnerable economies like Brazil, which are our major competitors in the iron ore space, they fall apart a lot quicker than us yep. if we ever did. And therefore, the price of our product goes up and things start moving pretty quickly. The GST money starts coming through, the royalties start coming through, and you know we sit pretty, pretty and I think the same thing happened 10 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: We just benefit from being counter-cyclical to the East Coast. So all of that incentive that goes into making sure that places like Sydney and Melbourne uh, rebound, we end up benefiting from. So monetary policy at the minute with interest rates, uh, front page of the, the FIN review on the weekend was, was talking to the fact that interest rates will stay low for the next three years. Uh, when was the last time that you could confidently go and borrow money at probably the lowest interest rate you're ever going to see with the RBA bank
0: governor saying, it'll be okay, mate. That'll be that way for three years. That's amazing. Brendan, you chat in some pretty sophisticated circles regularly in the property and finance space. I'd like to hear if you've also heard the same things as me. Uh, I'm hearing that we will have a rate drop in November and we very possibly will be seeing negative cash rates next year.
1: Yeah, look, I've heard those same rumours, Trent. Um, I can't believe that uh, the Melbourne Cup uh, rate drop might be on. It seems like every single time there's a Melbourne Cup on, there's talk of a a rate drop in the last few years. And it's just actually stunning that we would be sitting here seeing interest rates drop further than what they are at the moment. That leaves us with a head head spin, um, especially considering that we're at the start of Uh, a fair bit of panic buying out there in the marketplace, then we're saying we're going to add cheaper money to it, and we're also going to help you qualify for that money easier in terms of responsible lending laws uh, being wound back.
0: Exactly. It seems crazy, doesn't it? And that's why, in my opinion, it's not really the mining industry. The mining industry is a great foundation for our economy in Western Australia, but the reason we actually have booms and busts is because given how small our market is on a population and supplier basis, and given that we run a counter-cyclical market to the East Coast, the second that we generally start to see pressure from demand and supply, it always seems to line up with the wrong monetary policy. <laughs> absolutely. For, you know, the, the counter-cyclical monetary policy, which just adds fuel to the fire. So when we don't really need stimulus, we get massive stimulus. Yep. And when we do need stimulus, we're left in the trash can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so, you know, we've been sitting around, the, the constant conversation
1: I am having with other people in business um, across a broad sector is we've been sitting around for the last five years waiting for things to bounce back, certainly in the property market we have. And all of a sudden, this the switch has been flicked and here we are, uh, coming out the other side. But what, why didn't it happen in the last five years? Where was that consumer confidence? Why p- weren't people spending money in our marketplace? Yeah, where was the money?
0: Yeah, We've been saying it for a while, but I think we've said it before us. There is a lot of money in Western Australia. It's a very dormant, sleeping giant level of money and it's not just in the western suburbs, it's across Perth where people have just been sitting back waiting for that time and it seems like uh, that time is now and everyone's switched on the telly and seen someone say property is going well, let's buy and uh, the, ca- the checkbooks are out. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then that, that kicks into that liquidity question. So we obviously know that we had a lack of money in the marketplace over the last few years in particular going back to those responsible lending laws. We know the banks were making it really difficult for their customers to actually get any money out of them to go and do anything. That especially hit that. And again, a policy that was made for potentially the Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane market that hit our market really, really hard, made it really difficult for our recovery. We had a a couple of little spikes and a couple of little uh, green shoots done a few presentations over the last few years with that being the title of the presentation uh, and we just could never get enough traction to actually turn it around. Because we had no stimulus. Yeah, and we didn't have that stimulus and we didn't have the money in the marketplace. So, And it would seem now, in just the short bit of rear view mirror we've got over the last couple of months uh, and what we're seeing in transactions at the moment is you're completely right. There was a lot of people Paying down their debt, putting reserves of money away, and waiting for the the time that they thought was right to see that uh, they could confidently go out and spend that money, and it's happening right now.
0: I also think that uh, the deferral of home loans has been a big factor. Um, look, I'm not sure about you, but I think a lot of people who have deferred their home loans and also not gone on a holiday or two this year, they probably got an extra. Five, ten, fifteen grand in the bank than they would have normally at this point in time just because they haven't been paying their mortgage off for their choice and they haven't spent that extra money heading to the ski fields or heading to, you know, America or. Southeast Asia, and uh, that leaves people a bit more confident to go, you know what, I've got that extra buffer now, and I do think that I want to invest into the market. A lot of my mates have made so much money in the share market, and I got didn't get in, yeah. uh, properties for me, and that extra liquidity has been a big factor as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, don't
0: forget Bali on that list of uh, mm. places that Perth
1: people love to spend their money. Yeah, certainly we're, we're seeing the effect of that. There's a lot of stimulus there in terms of bringing that initial cash, so potentially the the deposit type cash so you think about the superannuation removal or the withdrawal that potentially gave people 20 grand in their back pocket to go and spend Uh, and then you think about some of the uh, the building bonuses, so the building bonus and the um, home builder grant. Both of those can bring you $45,000. Then you add in your first home buyer grant. There's some other bits and pieces there that can really push you up in terms of uh, a huge amount of money to go and build a house. That's a person potentially that didn't have any money sitting in the bank account prior to or post-COVID.
0: It's all well and good to have this level of, of disbelief and it's, I, for, for me, it's a good problem to have. But I also see that wherever we feel like we're a little bit out of control with how quickly things are changing in our, in our world, there can be risks involved. And as a value, you guys always have to look at the potential risks of how quickly things are moving and, and therefore, try and find strength in the depth of the market, as to how long it might move this way, and if it might not rebound back with, you know, what skeptics would say would be a time frame of March next year, when people have to get people getting evicted and they're coming off JobKeeper. Do you have any messages or thoughts to your staff members when valuing things to maybe not get too ahead of themselves?
1: Yeah, look, our job is always to analyze the existing market as in the market that's uh, occurring at that point in time. So definition of market value is a transaction between a willing buyer and a willing seller as at the day that we go and inspect the property. Some other bits and pieces in there, they can't act with uh, with compulsion and can't be compelled to go and buy the house, et cetera, et cetera. So, can't be related. Yeah. <laughs> that's So that's what we start going back to in a rising market. Unfortunately, a falling market Uh, our job is relatively easy in that we have data to say uh, sorry, we can be pessimistic, so to speak. And I shouldn't say it's easy because all my, my team members will kill me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so not valuing in a, in a downward market is, is extremely difficult, but we do it feels a little bit easier to um, understand where that market's going. And obviously, it, tra- it moves backwards slower than it takes off forwards or upwards. So right at the moment, our tip is to go and find the most recent settled sales evidence for us to do our valuations. And we need to make sure that we're on the money in terms of what's the latest offer that's happened on the weekend. So we end up spending time talking to agents a lot more, understanding what the trends are, what, understanding what the popular product is and making sure that as we value properties that we're following it up, but, but with caution. Uh, so one sale uh, at a higher level doesn't make the whole sale increase in value overnight. We want to see evidence of that happening more than once and usually we want three or four sales in our report to to prove that. Having said that, we're not going to hold back when we know that the activity is going crazy. So, um, if there is evidence that a marketplace is moving up or a suburb is moving up, then we're, we're going to follow it with reason. Yeah,
0: We have seen the median days on market half in the mm. last 12 it's months. It's been amazing, yeah. I, I remember at the start of the year, I was chatting in Channel 9 about the fastest-selling suburbs and they were the ones you'd expect. Most of them are Western suburbs, Dal- Daglish, Shenton Park, lead of all these sort of places. They were selling, you know, really fast in in the early to mid 30 days, taking about a month to go from listing to sale. Now, the median is that speed and the 10 fastest suburbs are all about a fortnight. Yeah, it's unbelievable. When's the last time you saw that?
1: Yeah, well, right in the boom of the market. So pre-GFC in that kind of 04 to 07 type period, this is when we saw all of those stories where back then realestate.com and domain, those kinds of brand names were pretty brand new. We'd have valuers coming back to the office saying, hey, look, uh, I went to a place this morning that uh, got put on the online last Wednesday. Online. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> online. Yeah. Uh, and then um, was sold that night. You know, those types of stories where uh, sight unseen, no home open, and, and those stories are back with us right now. Yeah, and it, it's interesting to just have a look at that, uh, that list of suburbs. They are all over the place. Uh, there's some yeah. north, some south, some high value, some low value. Why um, do you
0: think that is? Because uh, the fastest generally in the slow times, They've been the strongest fundamental blue chip suburbs, yep, and now what is it? Yeah, so well, <laughs> I'm looking down the list, anything starting with B um, <laughs> No,
1: so um now what it is, I think is uh the, the the common theme through here is probably up greater suburbs, so it's people that are viewing the suburb that they're buying in as being better than the one that they might already be in. There's maybe a little influence of um of some development sites, so Manning's on the list at number four, Cool blame's um, in there. Yep, yep, yep. And so again, some development site and so probably some affordability in there. And then number one we should mention on this list is, is Shenton Park. Um, it was there last time. But doesn't yep. that speak volumes for that suburb? Yeah, but it also, that it probably goes to my next point, which is it can be a statistical anom- anomaly because you know Shenton Park is a so small dear. suburb. There's but, not yep. a massive supply. So as soon as you get a few transactions in that location, it's really easy to influence down that statistic about selling days. So once you get to those big... Bigger suburbs, our favourite suburb, Baldivers, mm. You know, you're never going to see that on the list because there's so much stock there, and it's such a big suburb.
0: But at the same time, even though Shenton Park might and would have a relatively smaller quantum of sales and listings, what that demonstrates is that. Jesus, supply is short. Yeah, it's yeah, demand absolutely. versus supply. Yeah, right? and,
1: and the other part of the uns- unsaid part of this is that there'll be price pressure in there for sure. Yeah. So then that drives the next bit of demand. Everyone goes, oh, I don't want to miss out in Shenton Park. I was going to buy there. I was going to move from the neighboring suburb that I don't think is good or I like the housing stock in there better or I want a nice little character home or whatever the case might be and so that panic starts to kick in and people think they're going to miss out. Yeah.
0: What's the second suburb? It went Shenton Park uh,
1: and then number 2 on the list is uh, Kingsley
0: actually and, yeah. and
1: Heathridge is after that. So
0: they were in the top 10 at the start of the year as well. Yeah. Uh, and what do they bring to the table? They're good, strong family suburbs. Yeah, absolutely. They have really good amenity, good schools, good access to the to Joondalup and the city and the beach. Yeah. Uh, we we always talk about those fundamental factors, water, yeah. the city, activity centres and schools.
1: And transport. And, and in this case, both of those suburbs have really good housing stock as well.
0: Generally, quality decent homes. quality yep. 4
1: by 2s um, that have been well maintained over a long period of time.
0: Yeah, yep. And and because of that, people will live in their house for some of the longest times in Western Australia. I remember, especially Kingsley, I think, is, has the highest number of years people would stay in their home. And what that does is obviously keep supply Height.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: The other stat that I guess is the most concerning for me, which we've been speaking about for a couple of years now, is that canary in the coal mine, is the rental vacancy rate. Uh, that has been trending down from 7.5%, which is a deplorable number uh, You know, in 2018. You're very risky to own and rent property when yep. it's at 7.5%. Uh, and continually driving straight through the average of the boom in the twos. Yep. And now we're at what people would can say is a concerning number.
1: Yeah, that equilibrium rate, that rate that we were kind of talk about the market being in some sort of balances between three and four percent. They they think that that's a good number to be at. Uh, listings in terms of. Uh, Rents available, sorry, properties available to rent were six thousand around this time last year. Currently, three thousand three hundred, according to Rewa.com. So, um, if, if you're out there looking for something uh, in a suburb that's pretty standard at a pretty standard price range, you're going to find it difficult. We have had some anecdotal feedback from people that say, "Well, I just went off the off the beaten track a little bit to a slightly less desirable suburb, and I was able to secure a, a rental, but..." that only lasts for so long in this marketplace when you're sitting at a 1.3% vacancy yeah, rate. it
0: floods through the whole market. Anecdotally, on our side, we've got a small property manage- management business and sometimes our development clients who finish maybe a triplex, we won't even have the landscaping done at the moment. Uh, they'll choose not to sell but to rent it out because of the situation in the market right now. We'll list it and uh, within the, on the first home open on that triplex site, we had 40 people through. Yep, um, f- Five offers on the first night couple of them, uh, 10% higher. So we were listing for 450, people offering 500 and they'll stay for two years. Yep. You just wouldn't have seen that two years ago. You wouldn't have seen anyone probably at the, at the open. No,
1: exactly. There would be no one there. And and you know, it's really interesting to watch what's driving that, in particular because we've got that brought forward demand in first home buyers. Mm. So obviously people have come out of COVID ready to go and get their own accommodation would be one thing. People coming home would be another thing. People not going away would be the next one. Uh, and people having spent time in COVID and going, uh, I don't like my living arrangements. I'm going to go and find my own place. Yeah. Um, some of the true. things
0: that have driven that. You've skirted over a couple of those really important points, and I think, and that's the immigration side of things. Yep. Uh, people coming home. In the last five years, we had 13,000 people. Uh, net come to Perth, yeah, over five years. That's crazy, right? isn't it? And the five years before that was one hundred. We should have like 000. individual welcome packs for yeah, them. For <laughs> each one of them. We can yeah. afford it, I'm sure. <laughs> Make them feel welcome because we know their names. Uh, and so think about thirteen thousand over the last five years, of which eleven thousand were last year. Yep. So 2, 000 period, yeah, right? yeah, so two thousand in a four year period. Yeah, yeah. So so and now Mr McGowan is being pressured to increase his weekly quota. Above five hundred and twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's so amazing, above twenty-six thousand a year, it's already got way too many people still trying to come in. So when you come off such a small base, that percentage increase. When you think about, oh, there's only three thousand rentals available. yeah. Well, that's six weeks of people come back. Yep. That's done. Absolutely. Now, where do they live? And right. where's the next supply coming from? Because yeah. we weren't able to build all
1: those apartment blocks because um, no one wanted to approve them, uh, as yeah. in local councils looking at you, now we don't have that volume of, of supply in our marketplace. Yeah.
0: In addition to that, we're used to all the cool kids from Perth leaving to Melbourne and Brisbane on a yearly basis at a yep. tune of about 6,000 people a year. They're all coming home. Yeah. So yep. the swing is going from or negative 6,000 yep. Yep. to exactly. being a positive number for the yep. first time since the boom. Yeah. So both of those factors normally overseas immigration is obviously a slightly positive number and then it's smashed by interstate immigration which is a negative number. Yeah. Uh, now they're both positive and we don't have anywhere to put people which I think is going to create a state housing issue in terms of community housing uh, for the state government. They're yeah. going to have to build more because when eventually the people who are I guess the least desirable tenants they're going to find themselves marginalised. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, there
1: is. Uh, we can see from our angle that there is some interest from government in terms of getting involved in that that uh, access type housing. They probably need the federal government to to bring some more stimulus to that in terms of uh, uh, getting developers to provide some of that accommodation. But uh, at least they they're looking at the problem. How quickly they can move to actually take action on it is uh, is another question. Yeah.
0: When we're looking. As a buyer and investor, which are most of the people that listen to this podcast, in times like this, will you suggest that there's now less risk in the market and therefore people are within their rights to start offering slightly over-offer prices? Because I think we've been so conditioned recently that when someone says, from 400 grand, we come in, well, there's no way I'm offering 410. That be, That would be ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Yeah, look, the the risk thing is a really difficult question. I might come back to that in a second. In terms of the buying process, people just need to make sure that they're educated. Right at this point in the marketplace, a a large majority of suburbs right across Perth, you won't be able to buy a property that is listed openly and you go to a home open on a Saturday morning and, and... Decide whether you're buying or not. You need to have already engaged with the agent locally and say, "Hey mate, I am looking for this. Can you please help me? Uh, because I'm looking for a development site or a four by two house or whatever you're looking for, a unit or whatever. Vacant block, vacant block. <laughs> um, so you have to engage with the clients. I'm hearing stories even just again this morning of good suburbs south of the river where the agent is saying, "Well." If you're not on my top 10 or 20 or 30 email list, I'm only doing VIP inspections. I'm not doing any more home opens. And if you're not on the list, you're not getting the email to say, would you like to come and buy this place? And therefore, you know, you better
0: express your interest to me if you want to buy it. Well, um, that's very different to a year ago, isn't it? It was different to two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, selling um, agents really earned their bread at yeah, yeah. the start of the year yeah. up until... June, right? And now yep. it feels like it's nearly a handball service where yeah. it, the property gets listed and you don't really have to do any work. Yeah. It will get sold.
1: Yeah, if you can actually get one. Yeah, yeah. if you so, can.
0: Yes, and that's the biggest problem selling agents have right now is all of them are screaming at me going, Trent, I'm sorry, I can't even get a listing. Yeah. And so then you come back to that
1: risk question and you say, well people need to be educated too on what they're buying so my advice to people at the moment would be to go and make sure you re- research a marketplace and, and obviously I'm referring to value there but I'm also referring to what features you're buying in that, why you're buying in that suburb, what are you looking for, uh, is it your owner-occupied home, is it a uh, investment property, is it a development site. Make sure you nail down all of the parameters around why people are buying in that suburb, why you're buying in that suburb, and make sure you understand those as you go into negotiation. So essentially what you're trying to do is de-risk whatever you end up buying, because you're going to have to make really fast decisions here, and you're probably going to be bidding above someone else that essentially you're on maybe over negotiation or you're dealing with an agent that says, hey, look, your offer's not strong enough to win this property. You better rethink it.
0: That's a very, very good point, Brennan. You're going to have to move a lot faster than you did have to move six months ago. Six months ago, have a look at the property, have a think about it. The agent will call you and they'll have to convince you to put in a strong offer to try and get somewhere near the seller's expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's a case of move fast, be proactive, be prepared and get ready and know exact- as long as you can tick this, 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 the box, you got your finance ready, uh, minimise your settlement dates and put the best offering you can because you'll be very much out of control in this yeah. situation.
1: Yeah, and what we've been surprised at, uh, and this is probably a societal thing, uh, this time around we've moved from stock clear out to price pressure and price increases really quickly. So often in, in the phases of a marketplace, uh, you get... Where we were oversupplied, you know, we peaked at about 16,600 properties on the market. We're down to 10,500 at the minute. Uh, you often go through a period where you clear out that stock and you can see the market moving and you can see multiple offers, but the prices don't quite start moving straight away because. Buyers are reluctant to outbid each other, so they they're, they're happy to miss out. They'll say, "I thought that's worth five fifty, and walk away." There'll be another one. Oh, there's another one down the road. Now we've suddenly, within a month, we've moved to a, a marketplace where, uh, if you've offered five fifty and you miss out, you know that the next one you're going to have to offer five seventy five, or you're not even at the table to have a discussion. Yeah, yeah
0: you're on the you are on the pulse, then, Brendan. I've seen exactly the same thing. August, July, yeah, it was very much that where even on our side of the equation as a buyer's agent we were still winning you know quite a few of the offers we were putting in Uh, and if we didn't we'll wait till next time we're we're still being very prudent about this and we always like to be pragmatic Uh, but the last month I've definitely found as well that um, it's it, you, yeah, it's it's very much a case of having to think very much more creatively to be able to put your best foot forward and win this product. Yeah, uh, because everyone else has come to the table with a higher price than they were a month ago.
1: Yep, yeah, and so again, I'm just reflecting on that risk question. So. There will be people still out in the marketplace that are looking around now. And I think this panic buying will probably fall away slightly as we get to closer to Christmas. But essentially, what's that risk of our market falling in a hole next year? Are the fundamentals that are underpinning the growth now and the confidence now going to remain there going into 2021? Uh, and that's that, that's a very much a crystal ball question. That's a population that's very... question, I think. Yeah.
0: Will we have sustained population migration coming through essentially yeah uh will more people see this as a safe haven not just the expats coming home but as the borders start to open up internationally will visas start to open for extra work yeah and will people generally be saying yeah look perth's the place to be it was the number one city in the world for dealing with this place we decided to emigrate here yeah will that sustain just like in the east coast over the last five years with all the student migration will that be the thing that can sustain this or as you were referencing, will it be more of a vacuum where we've just vacuumed a year worth of buyers into yep. four months?
1: Yeah, and the more we go on, I think we're probably the former position, but I, I, I'm still not totally convinced. So don't take my advice yeah. that 2021 I'm, is going to be you. okay. Obviously, I'm leaning 75-25 yeah.
0: towards yeah. the former,
1: and the the employment situation. Uh, if you think about the building industry, they're, they're pretty much full for a year. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a job in the construction industry and you're any good at what you do, you're going to have a job for at least a year. So that risk has gone out the window. Your mortgage is sorted out and maybe you're going to go and spend some money somewhere else to try and make a return as well. And then that population side of things. Uh, so the population comes because there, there are jobs here. And then the liquidity question that we talked about before probably underpins the market as well.
0: Last question, and I think this is a good one to finish on, FOMO. It's a risk. It's something that especially when we're buying our own property, it essentially represents emotion in your decision-making criteria. Just because everyone else is buying property right now, or it seems like that, doesn't mean you have to. You may not be financially prepared, and your plan may have been, regardless of all of this, at the start of the year, you set a goal that in two years from now, I'll be ready. Yep. you're not compelled to buy a property now just because everyone else is and it is a relative curve along the way in my perspective. Just because the wave has started to move doesn't mean it's about to fall over and crash tomorrow Yeah, and if it does, well, then lucky that you weren't a part of that wave. Yes,
1: absolutely. So the worst thing that can happen here is you get in late, overextend yourself, and be left holding the baby, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of too much debt not enough return can 't service that debt and and then have to go back to the market and dump it back into the marketplace, so yeah people need to be really careful that they don 't get caught up in the in the trend there are other ways to make money over a period of time. Um, Obviously, you and I think that property is a great way to do things but um, it doesn't mean that you can't come to the market later on when it has consolidated and solidified and and those gains have been made. Okay, you missed out on that profit from bottom of the market to where it ends up before you get back to it Uh, but If you've
0: got a 7% deposit, you're still probably not ready.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you just do need to have to wait until the next stage. And the other, other part of that is probably just to sit back and go, where do I want to live? You know, do I take the risk to go and buy in one of those new suburbs uh, that I I was never intending on living in, yeah. or will I wait and try and buy something that um, it suits my lifestyle in terms of a, a different location?
0: Yeah, that's very that's a very great point. One thing that people generally don't recognise, especially when they get their stamp duty paid for the first time, is that transaction costs on property are immense. Yeah, they're ridiculous, especially be buying as an owner occupier property for your home it should not be something you're compromising on because no. you just want to enjoy your life on a daily basis. You'd be asking yourself five years down the track, why did I bother with this if I just waited an extra year and saved that extra bit amount of money? Just as an example, I'm in Heathridge, which is a great suburb, but I really wanted to live in duncraig Craig. Yep. Well, and one more year of saving, you probably would have got there. Yeah, yeah,
1: potentially. Uh, and especially if, if your uh, employment situation is as good as it is now and then gets better,
0: you Yeah. Know? Brendo, thank you very much, mate. Exciting. Number 100. Uh, 100 that's uh, episodes uh, four down. runs
1: down the ground, makes the 100, Tell you holds what, the it, bat up.
0: It's, it's, <laughs> it's been a very enjoyable 100 episodes. I never thought we would get to 100 uh, and I never thought we'd have this many listeners and this many questions and, and so many people uh, so involved and excited with the market and I guess that's just going to continue. It'd be very remiss of us to finish at 100 when the market's just starting to move. Yeah. So I guess we're going to have to go and try and smash another hundred out, yep. uh, which is a lot of work, but it's something that obviously both of us are very passionate about and is, is being able to add value back to the people that are important to us and the world, those we know and those we don't know with, with regards to this very niche thing that we're good at, yeah, yep. which is Perth property. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, mate. Thanks for having me on. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show.